Hi, Star. Thank you so much for coming on the You Love and You Learn podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you because I first followed you on Inst or TikTok, actually, I feel like months ago. And I feel like you bring a very directness to kind of the mental health coaching space, but also some humor, which is so important, I think, for people just to sometimes not take it so seriously. Like it's a very serious thing in many ways, but also sometimes we take ourselves too seriously. So I really like that balanced approach that you bring. Thank you. Yes, I love to bring entertainment into the mental health videos to make it more digestible. And I also have a theater background. Mm. So I was with Steppenwolf and Stella Adler, which are both two big theater companies in the world. And I learned improv and acting and telling stories. So now I can tell stories with mental health and aliens. Yeah. And all <laughs> That all makes so much sense hearing that. So what ended up leading you into your background for wanting to talk more about mental health or wanting to share this message that you do with so many people? I know that's a big question, but like- That's the longest story ever. We're going to be here for four and a half hours, Sarah. <laughs> your audience has already the lowest attention spam ever. I don't know how to say these things. Maybe what is the, what is maybe the number one reason that you're passionate about helping others? That's a, maybe that's a simpler question. <laughs> I'm running away. <laughs> How do I even get into it? I have to be totally honest and yeah, and I'm going to be totally honest. I didn't majority, it wasn't even, I didn't even know where this is going to go. Like I blew up on TikTok, but, and I'm going to make this very simple. I always coached myself. Mm -hmm. So because I always coached myself, I talked to myself, we're going to meditate today, we're going to go running, we're going to do physical fitness, we're going to figure out our brain today, we're going to figure this emotional thing out. So I trained myself. And that's why I'm so good at explaining to others, because I literally practically for Going back to since I'm a kid, 15 years, I started meditating ago, 15 years ago, I started meditating. Um, and I was always ambitious to try to, I don't know, be, express myself fully. So I practiced and I think I have, a, I know I have a huge advantage to a lot of therapists and psychologists because a lot of the people, and that's why there's so much misconception. That's why therapists and psychologists come for coaching to me because they are learning first of outdated things in school mm -hmm. and second they a lot of times regurgitate information and they don't practice mental health tools themselves and it's so important to practice mental health tools yourself because not practicing mental health tools and trying to be a coach or therapist is like um a weightlifting coach who read everything about weightlifting, who read everything about pull-ups, pushing, everything, but never touched a bar, not never touched a weight. Or a tennis coach who never played tennis. He can't mm -hmm. teach you how to hold the record or why this muscle's here or there, pain. So I the practical application is so important. And I got into it. Just I shared what helped me, basically. So and then I got all this love. And when I got all this love and all these nice people, I was like, oh, I want to help these people too, because they are so sweet. Because I wasn't exposed to a lot of nice people when I was young. 
I was bullied in school for seven years, mm. every day. So at some point, like a dog that gets beaten, right? It's like, uh, humans, nah. my family cool, my friends cool, but these strangers, they don't, didn't treat me well. So why do, should I do something for them? Yes. But then when I found my excitement and I made all these unique videos on TikTok that back in the day when most people did dancing videos that no one did, then out of the pockets with the TikTok algorithm in the world, these random unique people like me or have similar values came out and said, I love you so much. You explaining things like I thought things and this is so cool. And they gave me so much love. And at first I was really confused, like, because from someone who got bullied for seven years to blowing and getting like these, you changed my life, all kinds of where I almost like don't want to say like, like suicide and all those kind of things. And like, you helped me so much, my emotions. I have a better relationship with my family, with my friends, with my relationship. Thank you. I love 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 you. And I get all these like, in my face every day and I'm and at first it didn't make I didn't register and then over time I was like there is loving people out there are loving people with morals with values and those are the people I'm like so excited to give beautiful things to mm. that was as short the answer I could make it so I'm sorry it was like way long no it didn't great. make sense at all yeah it's great what I took away from that is that sometimes the best thing we can really do is be our own coach and to really embody yeah. what we're learning and not just like you said, intellectualize, which I think is really hard with the social media culture these days is because there is so much information out there. And that's why I'm excited to talk to you about ways, not just to have the information, but to actually implement it. Because if you're not implementing it, then like you said, it's like a tennis coach who hasn't picked up a racket before. And we can all kind of laugh at how comical that would be. Exactly. Yeah. Great. And the coaching, um, the, sorry, I'm interrupting any of you. No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the, um, yeah, I could I could be here and say, yeah, I, I I went out on this journey of only helping everyone and be Mother Teresa or anybody, but I always teach authenticity and I want to tell it how it was. I started out coaching myself and then sharing that. And then once I got all this love, I was like, there's good people out there. And even my coaching clients, I always want to make them independent, right? Rather than giving them fish, I want to show them how to fish, right? So I want to be them to become their own coaches, like yes. I did for years and years and years, yeah. that they can do it themselves. And they can understand, I can practice these, like mental health is not something that's like this weird, abstract thing, but the brain has very simple things that it reacts to. And I can um, practice these things like with physical fitness where I get stronger by doing practicing certain tools and everything's going to get better and yeah don't even believe like try the things out you will see it's not it's, it's literally physics yes I couldn't agree more one of the first things I say to my coaching clients is that if you want to run a marathon you have to go out and run and train you know so if you want to show up for yourself and strengthen your mental health or just I don't know if that's even the right phrase, but just like show up for yourself and take care of your mind, 
then that's also a practice. It's not just something you check off the to-do list. It's your life and it's something that you continue to show up for yourself. So I think we share a similar value in that as far as just needing to to continue to practice these things. And you're the best person to do that versus somebody giving you this 10-step process that is yeah. key to your mental health. You just said something so great. And I want everybody to know that like, this is not, give me this short trick. Give me this quick trick. Give me this like thing that I can get mental health. Right? I can graduate from mental health. And then it's, um, I don't know if you know Alex Mosey, but yeah. he's, um, yeah, he's such a great, he explains and he knows, knows so much about mental health and he made mental health videos before and talks about business. If no one knows him, he's amazing. He talks about business, but he had this example. I don't know if you heard it about finite games and mm -hmm. infinite games. I don't know if I've heard this specific one, but maybe if you explain it, it will connect with me in a different way. Cause I've yeah, heard so a lot people of people people who play like a finite game are like, like kind of like a board game or chess or anything like I win at this. I want to win at this game. I want to win this, but an infinite game, the, the goal is to play the game. That's right. So you cannot win at physical fitness. You cannot win at like, I'm going at mental health. You don't win at this. You play the game and you get stronger and it should be just something that becomes a part of you. Like I always say, it's like brushing teeth. That's just something I do. Mm -hmm. And the results I get of that over time are amazing, but it's just something I do. I play this game and I know what happens if I don't meditate. I know what happens if I don't practice mindfulness. I know what, so I practice it. Like I know what happens if I don't go to the gym. So I know what happens if I only eat candy and if I'm lazy on the couch, I know what happens then. So yeah. this is just something we do and it has to get in everybody's minds that this is not something, oh, give me this quick trick and I graduate. And some people might sell you that, but it's a lie and it doesn't even make sense. It's literally like physical fitness. You build emotional fitness. You build mental focus. And Mark Freeman talks about this. It's like swimming. You always can become a better swimmer. Yeah. So that is really important to understand. And the people who come to my lives or like they ask questions like, just help me real quick with getting over this breakup, just this breakup. It's just this one thing. There's so much underneath of yeah. breaking patterns, of building emotional fitness, of not being reactive to the brain. And I can always tell when people are like, no, you just, I just need to get all this hole. And like, it's not like that. It's this gradual getting stronger. And the people who accept that and come to me as coaching clients or use my videos to practice. And I'm like, okay, I understand this. It's not about me feeling better right away or me getting a better feeling, which is a compulsion anyway. It's about me practicing this for some time. They have the best results. Yeah, that's beautifully said. And you just mentioned the word compulsion, which is something that a lot of people in my audience experience in the form of relationship OCD compulsions or having a lot of anxiety and feeling this need to get an answer immediately or fix the feelings, get away from the discomfort. And I mean, I've been there. I've I had my own experience with relationship anxiety and I feel like relationship OCD anxiety, they're, they're cousins. It's pretty much, I'm using a similar term here, but just this need of 
oh my gosh, do I love my par- partner enough? And how can I be sure they're right and needing this certainty? So can you talk to me a little bit about your interpretation of what's going on in the brain when relationship OCD is happening? Because you posted a recent video about it and it's just such a simple way that you explain what happens in the brain when we feed into our compulsions. And I want everyone to hear how you speak about this. Oh, thank you so much. Such loving words. I appreciate that. I always try to communicate it as well as possible. But since you already are talking to your audience who are listening to this about it, I would actually love to hear your definition kind of first of really, or, or your clients, what, what kind of problems do your clients come to you when they don't probably don't even know that it's relationship OCD, but they're just like, oh, you know? Mm-hmm. So maybe, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll be curious about that. Yeah. So the most common things that are brought forward is questions around, did I fall out of love with my partner? We used to feel the chemistry and the sparks, and now it feels boring. Am mm-hmm. I attracted to them? What if someone better is out there for me? And this this big question mark around the relationship where they see other people on social media who got engaged and said, easiest yes of my life, or I just knew my partner (laughs) was the one. And my clients are kind of the opposite where they have no decision-making ability around this. And I I can laugh in a a playful way because I was this person as well. And I, I still have these moments that can creep in at times. So it's really this lack of trust in their own decision making um, mm-hmm. that I can see is happening and this need for answers, thinking that there is a definite answer somewhere out there, um, but they don't think the answer is actually internal. Yeah, uh, I was definitely smiling at the social media posts that say, oh, I already kn- always knew. You have to always take in consideration that they're making this post for people to see. So they might want to make it as romantic as possible yeah. or they played that along in their mind with confirmation bias. Yeah. Right. But it's so common, what you just explained where people are like scared. Did I fall out of love or even other things? Like, did I do something wrong? Um, guilt comes up and it's like, am I a bad partner? Um, but yeah, the biggest thing I would say is love and intimacy so even like oh i don't feel like having i didn't feel like having sex am i just am i still attracted to that person or the other big thing is uh, for some reason i didn't feel it today am i still in love am i falling out of love oh i'm gonna hurt my partner right and it's so amazing that in pop culture and general culture in society that they don't know how the brain works and they assume that they're falling out of love, but they don't see that it could be the cause. And it's a lot of times the cause their behavior with their brain, their um, actions that they do inside of their heads and outside of their heads. So for the audience, Um, it's very helpful to understand what a compulsion is. Um, A compulsion is anything you do to try to check on feelings. So checking on feelings, checking on thoughts. You can always go feelings, thoughts, controlling feelings, 
controlling thoughts, avoiding feelings, avoiding thoughts, trying to make feelings feel better, trying to make, I like to say, thoughts feel better or try to get rid of thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. Those are compulsions. And you can do compulsions inside of your head and outside of your head. So I give just a simple example of, let me give an example because we're talking about relationships or about relationship compulsion inside of your head. Um, sorry, outside of your head first. So let's say jealousy comes up in someone. Really jealousy, they're with their partner um, and they're scared that the partner cheats. So jealousy comes up, the feeling comes up from the brain. It might come up from the past, doesn't matter. It comes up from wherever it comes, from maybe trauma from the past, jealousy comes up and the person's like, I don't want to feel this jealousy. I want to have safety. I want to have control that my partner stays loyal to me, that they love me. And then they grab the phone to try to get that control and go on Instagram and check their partner's story to make sure that their partner is doing good things. They're not cheating out there. And even if they look and the partner's playing soccer or something, they're like, oh, I'm glad. They still hurt their mental health because they just reacted on that feeling and tried to make that feeling feel better by getting by using an outside object, doing something outside to make that feeling feel better. The phone, to check. You know, some people, when they wake up in the morning, have anxiety, they take the phone, go on TikTok, scroll. Anything you do outside to make a feeling feel better, that can be venting with your friends and family. People say, oh, no, I'm just expressing my feelings. No, you are reacting and trying to make a feeling feel better, which causes the brain to be like, oh, you love venting. You mm -hmm. love trying to fix feelings. Because the brain, language is behavior, which I talk about in my videos. So whatever you do with the feelings, the brain is like, oh, you love fixing feelings. You love checking on feelings. And we're going to come later. And I just want to simply explain this now, but we'll come later because checking is the big compulsion with people with relationship OCD, right? You love checking on feelings. You love controlling feelings. You love trying to make feelings feel better. Oh, Good. I'll give you more of those feelings because you cannot do the thing that you love, which is fixing, checking, trying to make feelings feel better if you don't have the feelings. So to do the thing that you love, I have to give you feelings. And some people are like, huh, what do you mean? The brain is supposed to help me to get rid of these feelings. And um, I'll give you an example. I, I like to give this example of the house. I don't know if you heard me speaking about the house. I have briefly, but let's let's briefly? share it with the audience. Yeah, yeah. So if imagine audience, you living in a house, okay? And you have so many chairs in the house. There's too many chairs in the house. You don't have space. You need more space. You need you need the chairs out the house. Too many chairs. You don't like the chairs. You want space. So you keep throwing the chairs out the house. You're like, I need to get rid of these chairs. You throw chairs out the house, chairs out the house, chairs out the house. Now the brain looks at this and is not like, oh yeah. Let me help Tommy or Sarah or anybody to get these chairs out the house. The brain is only looking at your behavior. The brain's language is your behavior. So the brain's like, oh, Sarah loves throwing chairs out the house. She loves it. Look, she, she just, that's what she does. She must love it because that's her behavior. So she's going to run out of chairs soon. Let me go to Ikea. Let me build some chairs. Let me bring them back in the house. Let me go outside the house and bring the chairs in the house that Sarah already threw out the house. And it brings back the chairs in the house. 
So now just substitute chairs for thoughts or emotions. The more you like, oh, I don't want these chairs. Let me get them out the house. Let me try and fix them. The more the brain is like, oh, you love doing things with emotions and thoughts. I gave you this jealousy and you, and you try to fix it and you stalked your boyfriend and you checked on internet and you, you did so many things with it. Let me give you more jealousy and more jealousy and more jealousy and it explodes. Okay. Yes, Does it makes make sense? so yeah. much sense. It's It makes so much sense. And the chair analogy is so funny <laughs> just because you imagine like, you're like, I'm trying to get rid of these chairs, but then more exactly. keeps appearing. It's like, it's just, it's like, you can't help but be like, oh my gosh, that's what exactly what's happening. Yeah. And so to relationship OCD, the compulsion is a lot of times, as you know, checking, right? We're checking on feelings and we're checking. It's interesting because the more you check, the less it's there because the brain is, the brain is basically like this. So it's like, oh, I didn't feel like having love today. And then the brain's like, oh, so, so with your partner, you only allowed to feel love or it's bad. So only if you feel love, it's good. And the brain is not then like, oh, because some people will be like, oh, yeah, then the brain only gives me love because the brain knows only. No, the brain is an organ that's supposed to defend you from danger. So back in the day when you went to the jungle and you never saw a tiger before and you got attacked by a tiger, and let's say you survived would be a miracle but you get attacked and they scratch you just your shoulder and fell down the mountain and you just were running to your village and you like that was the first time you saw a tiger and it's like <gasps> they're orange they have stripes they have this and now every time you walk through the jungle the brain's like <gasps> i gotta look out for orange stripes this and the same way the brain is with feelings the brain is like so you're telling me that we only allowed to have this feeling of love but we're not allowed to feel emptiness and we're not allowed to feel um, anger at that person or guilt or no, no feelings is actually for the brain also feeling, by the way. So sometimes people are like, oh, I don't feel like going to the gym. Well, the brain gave you that because it's, it's new. That's what you react to. But I'm going to talk more about that later. Now, with the in that example, with the love, which everybody wants to probably get to the point I want to know because I need to know now. It's the brain is like, so you're telling me we're only allowed to feel this feeling, but we're not allowed to feel those feelings. Okay, let me make sure, let me just make sure that we're not feeling this feeling. Oh, could that be the reason we could not feel feelings? Or could, could that be the reason we could, maybe we have these thoughts and the brain looks for more and more of you not having the feeling and more and more of you having thoughts why this is not the relationship for you. So basically, it's showing you the opposite to keep you away from the danger. So yeah. then what you already know, what we know from relationship OCD is the more you check on a feeling, the less you're going to feel. And then the sad thing is sometimes people are like, oh, I'm out of love. And they leave the relationship, even though they're very, very compatible with values. But the only problem was that someone messed up their brain by doing these checking compulsions. And it goes the same with, and this is like such a touchy subject for people that I made videos about this and I got like comment section, but it's just mental health. And when people, when I say what I'm going to say, it's just mental health. With intimacy, with sex, 
if you don't feel like having intimacy, right? A lot of times it's better to see intimacy as a valued action, something you give to yourself and something you give to others. That means that sometimes you do intimacy when you don't feel like it. I already see like people try to choke me through the screen. <laughs> you don't understand how that will actually in the long run make you feel more like having intimacy but you avoiding it i'm not saying don't avoid it when you have like really headache or like really like you feel bad and we don't talk about this we talk about the, oh, i just don't feel like it the more you go on the i just don't feel like it the more you will not feel like it and you get more sensitive and sense and then am i not attracted to my partner anymore yes you would be if you see this as a valued action but you are reacting to emotions and thoughts and guess what your brain's like hey you spending time on this i'm going to give you more reasons of why you don't feel like it isn't that crazy that's crazy and society is going to be like no if i don't feel like it you make me feel it make me do it that's <laughs> that's mean yeah. uh, and all kinds of other words you can't slide me no i'm telling you a simple mental health rule it's funny when I say this part of the story, right, which is the exact same part as the viral video I made about social anxiety. It's the exact same part because I told people, hey, if you have social anxiety and you avoid doing the things that you value, which is going to events, social events, doing your podcast, etc., you are showing your brain that that is dangerous. And your brain is like, oh, so you're telling me this is dangerous? You said this is dangerous. This thing, this, this action is dangerous? Okay. Okay, okay, I got you. I'm your brain. I'm your best friend. Let me give you thoughts and emotions that I know you react to that keep you from going there, mm -hmm. which is I give you more depression. I give you more anxiety because then you sit at home. I want the audience to understand that the brain doesn't give you logical things. It has an entire data bank. Since you were a child, on what you react to, and it will give you an amazing combination of thoughts, emotions, bodily sensations, anything together to make you avoid these things. And that's what we need to switch. And I always teach people from the emotional and thought addictive engine to the valued action engine. Because as long as you're running on emotions and thoughts, oh, I don't feel like I don't feel like it. Yeah, you're going to mess up your mental health. Mm. Yes, I love so much of what you said, both the examples of the external compulsions and then the internal ones, I think many people will relate to. And what I resonate with and what you shared is that a lot of times we're waiting for these perfect circumstances of like, I have to think like this and feel like this in order to do something. And especially with the sex example, I have talked about this before with my clients as well. I feel like I'm probably overdue to talk about it on social media because it sounds like <laughs> more people need to hear the message. But it's exactly what you said. You know, I can have so many examples where maybe I wasn't like fully in the mood. And then afterwards I was like, why don't we do that more often? You know what yeah. I mean? It's like you almost every single time feel better unless you're in your head trying to analyze, is this good enough? Is, is our sex good enough? Oh my gosh, was I attracted enough? It's like, if you can just do the thing that you value in order to connect to yourself, connect to the relationship, you start to build that self-respect and the relationship builds. But like you said, when it's this form of avoidance, if I have to be feeling perfectly to do it, then the conditions may never be perfect enough. And then it becomes, you know, weeks and weeks and months and months. And you're just avoiding the thing that once brought you connection. So 
I think it's so important that you brought that specific example up because people need to hear it. It's one of the biggest things. And exactly what you said with, oh, do I feel like it today? Do I not feel like it? And doing all those things, people think it's normal. They are compulsions. And they will put um, a strain on your relationship because they put a strain on you. So this is something that people don't want to talk about, right? Because they don't want to, oh, I'm going to get canceled. But you can, if you explain it, there will always be people who want to be outraged. And they're also emotionally weak. They react to their emotions, right? But if you, because if you explain the foundations and you're like, hey, this is what a compulsion is. People in the audience can transfer this to the different subjects. Hey, okay, so if I check on these thoughts in social anxiety, that's the same as me checking this with my partner if I want to have sex or if I'm still in love. Yeah. I don't have to be offended with this. Matter of fact, why are you offended? Because it's not going to help you. Like, it's still like, it's such a normal thing to wanting to help with your mental health and then it's like saying oh i drink a glass of water if i drink um oil it's bad no oil you 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 you're being racist to oil you're supposed to drink no you don't drink oil you're gonna have problems you're gonna drink water you're gonna be better it's the same thing and many people they just want to be offended and it's also the brainwashing in society right because a lot of the mental health information as you see on tiktok it's just complete nonsense. Like yeah. normalize doing this, normalize doing that. And it's like you normalizing compulsions. That's mm -hmm. all compulsions. And it's hurting you and you're influencing millions of other teenage girls, teenage boys who follow you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, there's a subtle nuance and maybe you have some thoughts on this between normalizing the fact that you can experience ROCD if you're in these patterns in the sense of like, you're not alone if this happens to you. And that's, yeah. I think, my mission to help people understand, like, you're not the only one that does this. So you don't you should not feel alone versus what I see a lot, unfortunately, which is like normalizing the behaviors. And then mm. it kind of almost becomes this excuse. And when you label yourself as well, I have ROCD. So that's why I don't do this in my relationship, then you're going away from the value-based actions like you talk about, and you're kind of using it as more of the victim of, well, this happened to me and there's nothing I can do about it. So I think that subtle nuance is important because I want people to know, like, if you, if you have this experience, it doesn't mean you are crazy or a bad person at all, but it's something that you can take control and ownership of. I think that was a perfect explanation, which you just said normalize and that's what i meant normalize don't normalize the behavior right because they go to like the most superficial thing in the whole equation no don't normalize the behavior normalize to understand yeah that's something everybody has ocd if you think about it it's just a label if you do compulsions you have ocd everybody does compulsions so to a degree everybody has ocd but people need to be taught in school what a compulsion is. It's craziness that they learn about all kinds of things, but they don't know about their own emotions and thoughts. That should be learned in like fifth grade, wherever like 10 years old, you can grasp that thing if you, yeah. if you explain it. And it starts with the differentiation of you and your brain. You know, yeah. I don't know how far you talked about um, ROCD a lot. 
But the, the first thing for anybody who doesn't even know anything about compulsions is to not identify with your thoughts and emotions anymore. No, no more. And that should be taught at an early age. But I thought it's a perfect explanation what you said because yes, people have to, should know that these things are very normal. They're not weird for it, but it's something that they actively do. And yes, it's challenging to do the opposite because it's so natural what they have been doing. But the more they keep doing the thing that feels like relief, the more they hurt their mental health. So we have to kind of go into the challenging. But the funny part is the more you do the challenging, the easier everything gets. It's the same like the more I push these weight, 40 pounds, 60 pounds, 80 pounds, 100 pounds, the easier 20 pounds gets. Exactly. And you just brought up something else that I had wanted to get your opinion on or get your insights on, which was creating that space between your feelings and thoughts and then needing to identify with them as the truth or something that you have to act on right away. So how do you create space or maybe someone who feels like they are constantly giving into compulsions is listening and they're like, what's what's the first step for me to actually start creating some space between the thoughts and feelings and how I act. I love that. I made entire YouTube videos about this. So <laughs> you want, well, so to create space between you and your thoughts and emotions, it's important to change our language. And I like to do this with kids too. When I work with kids, we want to start saying, instead of saying, I feel guilty or I'm not good enough or I'm not ready yet to do this project I want to do. We want to start saying the brain says I'm not ready. The thoughts say I'm not good enough. There's a feeling of guilt. The brain says I'm too guilty to talk to my boyfriend. I'm too guilty to talk to my girlfriend. No, you can substitute that for with kids. I'm like, Sometimes they use characters instead of the brain. Mickey Mouse said, or Bob said, Bob the brain, Mickey Mouse the brain said that uh, I'm not good enough. You know, mm -hmm. we want to create the differentiation. And people want to understand that the brain doesn't give you facts. You think I'm not good enough is a fact because the thought is in your head. First off, it's not working like that. Your brain has no idea what it's even talking about. It doesn't, it's, this is the funniest part about the brain. It doesn't understand what it's giving you. It's like, thought of not being good enough. You reacted to that a bunch of times last month. So here we go again. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but you keep reacting and you keep playing with it. It's your toy. You love these toys. Look at the guilty feeling. Here you go. Look at you going up and down and going back to in the grocery store and apologizing to the person in the grocery store for saying something. Look at you. You're playing with the thing. The brain doesn't understand. It's just giving you what you react to. And that's one of the first things that should give people relief to understand, hey, those thoughts about me that I constantly interact with, that I'm not good enough, that I'm not ready yet, that I'm not happy. Those are things that I'm engaging with and that's what I keep coming up. Same with the intrusive thoughts. Mark Freeman talks about this. He says, and I love this, the problem is not that the thoughts are attacking you. The problem is that you don't leave the thoughts alone. Mm 
Mm. You are bothering the thoughts. The thoughts are not bothering you. Mm. And what I want people to know is I'm not asking people to stop the thoughts that are coming in because you cannot. You cannot control it's way too fast. No one can do that. You cannot control the thought coming in. But now here, this is really important. You can control if you are talking back to the thought. Mm. And the more you're talking back to the thought, the more the brain's like, oh, look, this is still important. This the brain's just doing its job. It's not mean. It's actually your best friend. It gives you what you show it mm. that you care about. And if you're not following me, and I'm not only saying you, I'm not saying the audience, if you follow me, you will then be like, okay, so how can I show my brain something else that I care about? Great question. And this is where we change from the emotional and thought addictive engine to the valued action engine. And I get tons of questions about valued actions. We can go later in that too, but I want people to understand. I get this question like, oh, you're talking about suppressing thought, thoughts and emotions. We don't, why, why don't you, why don't, why don't we express thoughts and emotions? First off, expressing is also not a good thing. I'm not saying it's the bad thing, the, the worst thing in the world, mm -hmm. but we all know, I don't have to explain why suppressing is bad. We all, we all know that. Expressing is bad because you're still being reactive. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying it's bad all, 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 all the time. Mm -hmm. There are probably situations where that's maybe your only exit. But for the optimal pace or state, it's going to be still you being reactive because you're trying to make a feeling feel better by expressing it. So when guilt comes up and you try to vent or scream at someone or do anything or try to fix the situation, you're trying to express it, is you're still showing the brain, hey, this is important because they're still expressing it. We want to completely get off that lane. And we do that by accepting. So not suppressing, not um, expressing, but accepting. And I just made a video about it um, just before our call. Mm. So I have it really fresh on my mind. And I want to now, because I thought even deeper about accepting and intellectualize it more, because a lot of therapists and psychologists have a hard time to explain it. I want people to think when it comes to accepting in a new paradigm. What I mean with that is, think of in two different paradigms. Um, the accepting as something you do mm. and accepting as an undoing. And accepting is more of an undoing. And I explain why. Um, Mark Freeman gave this example. He's so great. If you guys want to check him out, he has a great book, You Are Not a Rock. Um, he recovered 12 years ago from OCD. He's really amazing about mental health. But he gave this example that all of us are really, really good at accepting. If you believe it or not, we're accepting all kinds of things all day. When you're driving on the road, you're accepting all the trees that are go by the road. You're not like, this tree is not supposed to have the yellow color. It's supposed to be red. I cannot go to the gym now. Tree, why don't you, why are you like this? Or we're not hating on the lines on the street. Like this line is supposed to have a different color on the streets. I'm not going to the gym now until this line has changed. Let me call the city to change this line. You are constantly accepting things that you're not giving a lot of importance. 
So we want to actually practice not giving those emotions as much importance because a lot of the big problem is giving it meaning, checking on it, doing something with it, engaging with it, you doing things with it. It's, it's an undoing. And so to really understand what I'm talking about, I want everybody to know over weeks practicing mindfulness, you will understand the brain. Be like, okay, this is what he was talking about. This is the undoing. For the undoing though, we have to be okay with being uncomfortable. Because if you're not being okay with being uncomfortable, guess what? Your brain is luring you in with the uncomfortable emotions. It knows you react to it. Like that's why people are like, oh no, I can't do this because I'm comfortable. The old patterns are fed with uncomfortable feelings. So as long as you are a slave to the uncomfortable feelings, you are going to feed the old patterns and make it worse. But as soon as you can be like, hey, well, you know what? For some time, I can see this like a boot camp. I'm okay with the uncomfortable feelings. And I accept them. I don't do anything with them. And I bring my brain back to the present moment, acting, going to the gym, building my business, having relationships, expressing myself proactively in relationships of what I care about, what my interests are, what I want to spend my time on. Because the big differentiation with mental health is being reactive and being proactive. Reactive is what makes everything worse because you are showing the brain that the, the old patterns and it gives you more. Being proactive, even though you feel uncomfortable, is showing the brain the new way. Did that make sense? Yes, it makes so much yeah. sense. And I love what you said about the meaning making because a lot of ROCD and relationship anxiety experience is trying to look for the meaning, like you said earlier in everything, like why did that happen or why aren't my feelings there? Or if you wake up next to your partner in bed, for example, and you feel anxious that morning, then you create the meaning. Well, it must be because I'm in the wrong relationship mm -hmm. and there's so much meaning making happening. So I really like that analogy of the undoing part of acceptance, which is more of like, you're just undoing all of the extra meaning or the extra narratives that are laying on top of the action or the thing that's already going on. I like that new way of thinking about it. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I just realized I went on a rant to like explain things around, but to answer your questions, make it the thoughts, the emotions. That's part, how you create that space. Another part, how you create that space is one of the best tools. Everybody should use it. Meditation. You sit down, you set a timer, any emotions and thoughts come in, and you bring your brain back to the breath. And you are practicing not talking back to the brain. And the more you practice not talking back to the brain, the more you see it. You see, oh, it's trying to talk to me. And it tries to use these emotions and thoughts. And you come back, you create more space and more space. And yeah, I don't want to like talk too long because I know you have more questions. But uh, we can, if they're more interested, we can go more into meditation, how it works. But that's how you create space, it's a practice. Over time, you will create more and more space. And don't be kind to yourself because some people are like, oh no, I talk back to my brain. That's okay. You're just taking up more territory over weeks, over months. Just You just take up more territory. You go on to get better. Don't be like, oh no, I, I did it. I messed everything up. No, you already got stronger. You already shortened the time between the reaction and coming back. It's a practice. Be kind to yourself. Yeah, that's really well said. And 
breathwork or meditation for me have been really impactful along the way. And I know a lot of people say, well, I can't meditate. It's too uncomfortable, but that's the whole point. Like you said, the discomfort, you know, will come up to try and stop you from doing the thing. And life isn't about just being comfortable all the time. So we, I won't go down that path today just because I feel like there's so much relational stuff that we can go into, but yeah, definitely. meditation is so important. And I'm sure you've talked about it on other channels. So yeah. people can check out your insights. Two misconceptions. One, I'm not supposed to have any thoughts. I'm bad at meditation because I have thoughts. Not true. Meditation is not about having thoughts. The practice is not about not having thoughts. Sorry. It's, that might be a result. Could be a result. Could be not a result. We don't care. Um, and it's also not about feeling relaxed. It's about having all them, any emotion that comes up, any thoughts, and folk, bring your focus. It's about your focus. You bring your focus back on sensing your body, your breath, your hearing. But it's not about, I just wanted to mention these two things. And that's some of the biggest misconceptions. And that's also because there's some meditation teachers out there who are not really good at explaining what's going on with meditation. Um, yes. Yeah, that's helpful. I think that's a reason why people think they're not good at it is because they think mm -hmm. that the thoughts shouldn't be there the whole time. So thanks for adding Yeah, that. and it's a practice. You're not supposed to be good at it right away. You just started. <laughs> exactly. One thing that this kind of connects to is this notion of, you know, I need to fix myself by doing meditation or I need to fix my ROCD. I need to heal. I need to get better. And it's, I think this is another way that we label something. And then the brain becomes, I know you talk about like obsessed with trying to fix and, mm -hmm. you know, I would love to hear you talk about that. Cause I think that relationship anxiety and ROCD, there's this narrative internally of the guilt that I'm doing something wrong and that I have to get rid of this in order to move forward in my relationship. But my belief is that you have to practice acceptance and you have to practice not labeling it as this thing that's wrong or bad about you. Otherwise, it's just going to make you continue to have compulsions and avoid. So what are your thoughts on this whole notion of fixing and healing and all of that? Yeah, so I made a video about this as well. And Mark Freeman talks about this. It's healing and fixing. Healing is not a good word because it's like cleaning up something. It's trying to clean something. Like this is dirty. And the brain's like, oh, you love cleaning? You love fixing? You love healing? Let me give you more trauma. Let me give you more dirt. Because you love healing. You love trauma. Because I made this in this healing video. It's like, when we're trying to heal and we're like, oh, let me use this technique to get rid of this feeling or I still have to do shadow work to get rid of these feelings and these thoughts, you're literally telling the brain you love healing. That's all you love. And your brain will give you endless opportunities for you to heal. There's, there's an endless pit of things that the brain can give you. Don't think you on some point, oh, I'm fully, that's, that, if, if, if I could like, burn something in the self-help community's head because there's so many people who are like yes one day i will be fully healed and i will have fixed all of this idea it doesn't work like that you just make it bigger and bigger and bigger because your brain's like yes you love this so much let me give you a crazy mountain of trauma and craziness for you to keep fixing and healing stop fixing and healing what do you want to spend your time on? And people are like, no, I can't just walk away from this 
big pile of trauma. It's so beautiful. I need to use it. You can walk away from it. And people are like, what now are you suppressing? You don't understand. One of the biggest things that I think the next years I want to try to teach people is healing. And I don't even like to use the word will happen with inactivity. It's really simple. And this is something that's connected in a huge amount of teachings where people look into it. Like Abram Hicks talks about this. Um, Michael Singer, Eckhart Tolle. Like it's going to be about the inactivity from these things. Even the inactivity from the pain body in Eckhart Tolle. He's not like talk back to the story. He's just like, oh yeah, have the feeling and do your thing. And and I I don't think it's a complete, sometimes I feel like it's not complete of it. I think he explains it. I think he's a great teacher, but I, I wish he would sometimes be more on actions, but maybe I just haven't seen those videos. But you make things inactive by shifting your focus. It's all about your focus. So stop bringing your focus on fixing, fixing, fixing. And literally, it will feel weird. That's what the brain does. It's like you almost feel like you're losing your keys at home or you're forgetting something. And it's going to be this uncomfortable feeling. No, I have to go back and self-help my way out of this. Let go. Be okay with the uncomfortable feeling. And now the only thing you need to do is spend your time in your life on the things that you want to do. That's it. If people could just grasp that, it's it's over. And if they could be with those, if they wouldn't be tricked by these uncomfortable feelings and thoughts, oh, but something's pulling me back, and they react and they think it's their intuition, you know. But what if it's my intuition? And they get into this whole thing. I would say you're um, you cannot even hear your intuition if you constantly spend time in your head and do these compulsions. Um, and I wouldn't even focus on that. Yeah. Everything gets so much easier over time if you just make it about, I don't have to fix this. I don't have to clean up this plate. I can be okay with the guilt and move on. It's this thing. And there's actually this video that Mark Freeman made on one of his channels about, people ask him about shame. They ask him about shame. How, how can we live... How can we do the things that we want to do with this shame? How can we get rid of this shame to do the things that we want to do? And what he explained so beautiful, which is true. As soon as you stop trying to fix shame, and as soon as you do the things that you avoid doing because of the shame, over time, those patterns will break. But the more you avoid doing those things because of the shame, the more the shame is relevant, the more the brain's like, this must be right. We must be shameful because we're not doing the things like going on dates, like doing our TikTok business videos or painting Etsy or any project you want to do because the brain says, we're not good enough. We are shameful. We need to fix this first. And to your question, no, don't fix it. Be okay with the uncomfortable emotion. It's tricking you and move forward. If you remember anything from this podcast, move forward. Yeah, really, really well said. I love that the values, we are very aligned in that because I talk a lot about that in relationships about being, you know, value based and really just considering like, does this person share at least like in a Venn diagram almost? It's like, if people are just listening, imagine a Venn diagram, it's like you and your partner. And then there's overlap, of course. 
and everyone will have a different Venn diagram. It's not like you have to share every single thought or belief with your partner about how life will work, but just feeling like you're able to align in many ways. And then not only that you align with your partner in those ways, but that you're showing up in the way that you value for your own life to grow the relationship. Because a lot of people are waiting just for those feelings or the thoughts to be perfect, but the value-based actions that you talk about help create the life and the relationship that you want. So it really puts the power back in your own hands when you take those value-based actions. And so if someone is newer, excuse me, newer to this conversation or doesn't really know what you are talking about when you say those value-based actions or value-aligned actions, can you just give one example of that in a relationship example? <laughs> I, I love what you, the Venn diagram. It's called the Venn diagram. <laughs> yeah, it's like when when two circles overlap and then there's like a, a space yeah. in the middle. <laughs> That's such yeah. a great example. A friend of mine um, once said, Kiki, she's a yoga teacher in New York. She said, you have three plans. You got to take care of your own plan. They got to take over their own plant and then you have the plant of the relationship and you got to like together, which yeah. I like with dogs. So like connected to that. Yeah. I love that example. And I, I just remembered too. I mean, we gave one example earlier with this value-based action of like having sex or intimacy. Yeah. Um, even so when sorry, you don't I'm going to give like... the, I'm not, I didn't try to avoid the question. I was just like, so by the Enneagram, oh. I thought it was such a great, um, but no I love you sharing that I just wanted to acknowledge too that if someone's listening and they're like oh what is an example that is one that we already talked about with the intimacy but I'd love to hear if you have any others that come to mind when maybe someone's stuck in their compulsions with ROCD but they really want connection and love with their partner but they keep pulling away because they think they have to feel better before they can give love or receive love yeah um, do you want to do the value garden exercise? Sure. For audience? Yeah. Only if you want. It's a, it's a great exercise. I do it with every one of my clients. First yeah. thing. That would be great. Uh, so I have a pen and paper with me if we need that. <laughs> I love that. Perfect. So we're going to do for everybody who's listening, we're going to do an amazing exercise. And if you listen, this, I always say mental health and anything that you want to do in life, it needs to be practical and I know it's so nice to listen to us and listen on the internet, but I'm telling you, you will have huge advantages by doing this exercise for yourself um, to find out your values and to bring them outside of your head and to change from the emotional addictive engine to the valued action engine, which will help you so much in relationships, so much. So this exercise, again, was created, I think, I'm pretty sure it was, it was created by Mark Freeman and I put like a little spin on it um to kind of like with my clients but we're going to have this garden in front of us it's a garden of life and it's on this big it's on this piece of paper and we want to grow our garden and this is what we're going to proactively if you remember from the conversation today remember most people are reactively to their thoughts and emotions and we are now going to show our brain what we really care about so we're going to have this garden in front of us and I'm going to give you seven values to write down. And you don't have to, I love it. And it's going to be video. So they're going to see um, your, your, your values. Kind of, you don't have to, you don't have to say. But um, seven values you want to write down. And think of it like different fields in the garden. 
like maybe, and you don't write this down, maybe you want to grow a papaya field, an avocado field, some salads, some bananas, whatever you want to grow. But it's, of course, not bananas. It's not avocados. It's going to be seven values that I usually give because they help to focus and they're very universal to human beings. And they're not in order. So I'm going to tell them to you now, just spread them out all over the page so there's enough space underneath for you to write um, actions. Sure. So the first one is going to be physical fitness. The second one is going to be relaxation. The third one is going to be creative expression. All right. The fourth one is going to be fun. The fifth one is going to be romantic relationships. The sixth one is going to be family and friends relationships. And the seventh one is going to be business slash money. Sometimes I add some few based on the clients, but that is actually encompassing everything. Like you don't need more and yeah. you can always add more. So now I want you to write down five actions. If you can, if some are three, I'm not going to be mad, but five actions under each that grow that part of the garden that one, you already are doing and two, you want to do, but the brain said, no, we're not ready yet. We need to heal first. We need to fix first. We need to fix this feeling first, mm -hmm. um, all kinds of things. We'll, we need to lose weight first. We need to read another self-help book first. Mm -hmm. um, and no matter how crazy the brain tells you that it would be for you to do that, if it's something that you want to grow, that you want to spend your time on, also write that down. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you some time now to yes. write that down in the audience. Take your pen and paper and write the seven ones down. We got relaxation, creative expression, business slash money, family and friends relationships. You guys favorite the romantic relationship. But remember, the brain is not only working in the area of romantic relationships. So by doing this exercise and going to the other subjects, you will also change, improve the romantic relationship because you also are doing compulsions in those other subjects. You are not only checking on feelings and thoughts in your romantic relationships. I can promise you that. I can take any of my followers, your followers who says, no, I only like check in my romantic relationships. And you can show them where, no, look, you're checking on your phone. You check if you got a text message, you check your thoughts right now. You check your thoughts about business or this and that. So yeah. that's why it's important to look at it holistically. Um, and that's what I always try to show because most of my clients, are literally coming for relationships. So like break up other things. And I have to, my job is to show them if you only focus on that and leave all the other things, you will not as well improve the relationship. Yeah. yeah. One you don't question. have to listen to me now. You go ahead. <laughs> I know, but I have a question that I think will help me and others. Are there, and I know that this is funny because you want to do something maybe right and there's no right way, but I'm noticing oh, sorry. already. I, I should have given some examples. Yeah, no, no, like, no. I'm going to give it. So, so, so usually I give some examples. Is that the question you want to ask? I was going to ask overlap. So like for my creative yeah, yeah. expression, content creation, that falls into creative expression and my business. 
And so I think there's a lot of overlap, like relaxation yeah, for me is. is going on a long walk in nature, but that's also fitness. So exactly. I'm going to have some of those overlaps. You and can double, sure. you can have double and triple. And Perfect. I'm also, because some people are also stuck with the romantic relationship. So these are all actions. So, okay. So physical fitness, and you can, you can write while I'm explaining this, but physical fitness could is pretty easy. It's like, it could be boxing, gym, making healthy food. Uh, pilates maybe you always want to go yoga but you have anxiety because it's a new uh, thing for you um creative expression could be making tiktoks but that can also be fun so it can also be in the fun category so you can double some and triple some if you love playing volleyball with your friends you have three categories you have physical fitness supporting the garden of your families and friends by growing the relationship there by playing volleyball with them and fun so they can all like spread out uh, relaxation, maybe meditation, maybe massages, maybe going to the sauna, whatever is relaxing to you. Don't think what society thinks is relaxing. Whatever is relaxed, it could be for you relaxing, going to movies. It could be hanging out with your friends, going to a coffee shop. For some people, it might not be relaxing. And then we just want to like look in if you have a coach or if you're coaching yourself, you want to look at um, compulsions, like maybe smoking I don't know if I can say this on the podcast, but maybe smoking a certain substance for you, you think is relaxing. But if you do it every time or drinking constantly, alcohol is relaxing, you think. Mm -hmm. But if you do it every time or scrolling on TikTok is relaxing. Yeah, You're taking relief of feeling, so which is a compulsion, which is going to cause more anxiety. And that's what we want to look at. Oh, is this a compulsion or not? But mostly people will understand the difference. Now for family and friends and romantic relationships, if you have a partner or you don't have a partner, you can do this exercise. Um, you can do this exercise. Ask yourself, what do you want to spend your time on with your partner? And be specific. Like, you want to travel with them. I have a lot of clients who are like, I'll go to the gym. I want them to go to the gym with me. And then I want to, it's clear, spend time on talking about these things and uh, meditating together. But make it about actually an action because an action you have control over and it's you can set it as something proactively right and some people are like yeah but i care about loyalty and i care about honesty well let me tell you a story okay when i was a kid and my dad said hey i'm going to pick you up in five minutes he was there in five minutes when he said i'll pick you up in 30 minutes he was there in 30 minutes when he said i'll pick you up in 45 minutes he was there in 45 minutes i would always trust that he's there he showed me with his action of picking me up on time, that I can trust him, that he's loyal. It doesn't mean it matter what people say. You see in the actions. And that's why healthy relationships, and we can talk a little bit later after the exercise about this, is about one of the most important things is about on some point setting valued actions, goals that we grow together towards. Yeah, absolutely. I have at least like three or four for most of the categories. So if it helps, I'll definitely spend yeah, yeah. some extra time on this. But for the sake of people listening, would it help for me to share some of the examples that I wrote down? Yeah, if you want to, um, what I usually would say now is I want you to um, read me every subject and tell me the point, what it is. And then you tell me if it's something that you're already doing or something you want to do. Yes, that's great. So we can start with physical fitness or something. Yeah. For fitness, I wrote walks outside, which I'm already doing. I wrote CrossFit class, which I do once a week. Uh, I wrote yoga, uh, which 
I am not as consistent as that as I would like to be. So there's room for growth there, but I already practice mm-hmm. yoga. Um, and then I wrote athletic greens, which I drink almost daily. Um, athletic greens. Yeah. I love it so much. I have it. Yes. Oh, so that we, was... we should get paid right now at this moment. <laughs> athletic greens, if you're there, oh, I, will try, I, will, I will send you an invoice right now. $140,000. Don't worry about it. It's exactly. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so all of those, I feel, I feel pretty good. Fitness is a category I feel really good about. So that's, that's the end that's for great. that one, but I'll think of one more at some point. Um, I think like healthy eating would kind of fall into that as well. Um, for relaxation, I wrote walks outside, which I'm already doing. I wrote breath work, which I'm already doing. And I wrote meditation, which is another one where I would like to be more consistent. So I'm going to put a star next to that one. A star, because I'm talking to star. Hmm. For creative expression, I put content creation, which I'm already doing. I put podcasts, which I'm already doing and very much enjoying. And then I put ceramics, which I would really like to start doing. I mm-hmm. live in Sweden and I've been trying locally to go to a ceramics class for like the last six months and it keeps getting canceled and there's not very many around. So I'm like, I need to go either find a new one or it'll be something that if I ever move home to the States, I really want to find like a local studio. But um, that has been an idea of mine. And that also kind of counts as something I would like to do for fun as well. Ceramics. Um for fun, I wrote concerts, which I love going to with my friends okay. and with Nate, my boyfriend. Um, I put dates and double dates because I really like spending time with both my boyfriend and with other couples. Nice. Um, and I do that pretty frequently. And then podcasts with other people like this conversation. I really have fun when I do conversational podcasts. I enjoy the ones by myself as well, but I would say those are more creative expression. And the fun is when I get to have a connection. I love that. Yeah. And then family and friends. Um, I'm currently living away from like my family and my mm-hmm. very closest friends that I've grown up with just because I'm in a different country. And so right now, FaceTime dates, um, talking with them virtually has been really great. And I do that very consistently. And I also wrote concerts as well, because that's something I love to do with my friends that category for some reason wasn't coming to mind with like a lot of extra stuff, but I'll spend some time thinking about extra ways to, to nurture friends and family. Yeah. And you can always add to those values over time. You will see, Oh, yeah. maybe I don't like this as much anymore. I want to grow more of that. Yeah. That's good to have a balance. Cause you cannot only be like, Oh, I only want to work. I only want to work. Yes. Yeah. But your physical fitness, it's all important as a human being, right? You, you cannot leave out social because you're going to have emotional pain as well. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be healthy. So there's so many important things in there. Um, yeah. Business slash money. Business slash money. I wrote content creation, which I'm already doing, creating free offerings to help support my community, which I'm already doing. Mm-hmm. I wrote podcasts, which I'm already doing. And then the two things that, um, or I wrote also connection with clients. Like that's an important value and really showing up for my clients, which I mm-hmm. already do. And then the one thing I haven't done yet, which I would like to is create a membership in the future where Mm -hmm. people can connect with me on a monthly basis more frequently. So that's something that I have an idea for, but I haven't yet put to paper. So that's uh, future-based. And Oh, go go ahead. No, you go ahead. 
I was going to say the last category was romantic relationships. Ironically, I went to that one last on my page, but um, weekly intimacy with Nate is important for me. Traveling with him, which we do. Well, first of all, we do uh, the intimacy piece, check um, the traveling we do. And then the growth I wrote as like watching podcasts together and discussing them, which we do a good amount of already, but both mm -hmm. of us really like watching podcasts or just like listening to other teachers and talking about that. So those were the three things that came up for me, but there's probably some stuff that I could add to that list that I'd like to be doing more of, and they just didn't come up instantly, Yeah, but I want to spend some time uh, thinking about that. Yeah. And for most people, it's really good to write down their list for everybody. It's really important to write down the list because your brain, as we know, can trick us. It can give you all kinds of logical things. Oh, this is not, this is not. And we have to fix today the thoughts. We have to fix today our relationship. We have to fix today the emotions, blah, 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 blah. And by writing it outside, you're putting it outside of your head, which gives you more clarity. And that's why I always tell my clients, go to Amazon, get a big whiteboard and big one with easel, put it right in front of your bed or somewhere where you fall over it and write with the actions on there and your garden. Because if you get up in the morning, there's anxiety and thoughts. Oh, I don't feel like it. I have anxiety. And if you look at the void points, like, oh, yeah, I said I'm going to go to the gym. Oh, yeah, I can have this feeling and go to the gym. You're more likely to do it if you see it outside. That's why I use notes. I use whiteboards. I use alarms. I use all kinds of reminders because you bring it outside of your head because your brain can always trick you. So many people are completely identified with their brain all the time. Yeah. So Sarah, great work. You did the, and this is what I do with my clients now. I'm going to ask you two questions. Mm. Okay. For the audience, you're going to just answer this for yourself. So first question for you, Sarah, what do you think is the water of these plants, the water of the values that we use? How do we grow our values? With our actions that we take. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes the actions pass the, the actions. test how we my grow. inner perfectionist is like yay <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you the second question now <laughs> do you think your garden cares about your emotions and thoughts no the garden wants the actions of the water and if it was only based on emotions or thoughts, then the garden probably wouldn't grow very much. Sarah's a winner. <laughs> a million dollars for Sarah right now. Um, yes. And I can explain you why. I pretend to be a garden right now. Okay. I'm going to be a garden. And I'll be like, Sarah, it's great that you're sitting there on the bed. And you have anxiety and thoughts of not being good enough. It's so great. It's great that you have anxiety. But look at the garden of physical fitness. It's dying over there. Can you just go to the gym with anxiety? And Sarah, it's cool that you have these thoughts of uncertainty and anxiety, but look at the garden of creative expression. You wanted to speak on stages. You Can you just go and with anxiety? Do you see how the garden is not, and not, that was just an example, not that you have these things, but do you see how the garden carries there and you're killing your support system if you don't, if you avoid these actions. Plus, you build more social anxiety because the more you teach the brain, the more you avoid these things, 
the more you teach the brain, oh, this must be dangerous. And the brain's like, this is dangerous? You're saying this is dangerous? Okay, okay. What are you reacting to, to not go, oh yeah, depression, thoughts of not being good enough, um, distractions, procrastination. I got all of this on deck. Here you go. And then you days and days, like spending time in your head, fixing, fixing. You're not living your life. And like, I need to get another self-help book on fixing things. Nope. You need to just be okay with the emotions and thoughts and go mindfully on the valued actions. And that's why mindfulness is essential in that whole equation. Without mindfulness, that equation is not working. And the reason for that is you could do your valued actions. You could go do your valued actions. But if at the same time you're spending time in your head, does my boyfriend love me? Does he love me? Do Am I still attracted to him? You are still feeding the patterns. Again, we cannot control the thoughts coming in, but you don't have to talk back and you can bring your focus back to, oh, I'm walking right now. When you walk, you walk. When you talk, you talk. When you drive your bicycle, you drive your bicycle. When you're in the restroom, you're in the restroom. You're not on your phone scrolling. Yes. So do the thing that you're doing well in front of you. And the more you do it, the more territory you take. And guess what? Your brain is like, hey, Sarah, Tom, or anybody, I gave you for months now, all these thoughts and doubts, if you love your partner or not, and I know it's uncomfortable to you, and these emotions of uns being unsure, and you're just okay with them, and you're going to the, do, you're doing your CrossFit, and you're doing your podcast, and you bring your, and I'm trying to distract you while doing the podcast, and you bring your brain back constantly to the podcast. I'm a very efficient organ, Sarah. I'm a very efficient organ, Sally. I'm not going to give you things that you're not using. And then again, what I said earlier, by your inactivity, it's disappearing. And you're showing your brain what you care about. And at some point, your brain's like, hey, you're not using this, but you keep trying to be good at podcasting. I'm going to support you here now. I'm going to give you more ideas in that direction. Or in your relationships. Hey, you're not doubting anymore. You're spending time on actually interests that you want to do with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Oh, let me give you more ideas for interests or my, more ideas for fun dates. Or I'm also going to give you more feelings, actually, of being happy, having um, having sex, because we don't uh, engage with the other things anymore. We're okay yeah. with any emotion, so I don't have to make your brain crazy right now. I love this exercise, and what I think is so helpful about it is for anyone listening even though this podcast focuses on relationships, it may be tempting just to focus. Okay, I'm going to write the list of five things for my relationship, but think about how your whole life kind of is all connected. Like if you're doing your physical fitness and you're relaxing and you have fun and you spend time with family and friends and you have creative expression and then you're showing up in your career, it's like your relationship then is not the only thing you're focusing on. And so I really stress the importance to people of you have to have things in your life that are fulfilling you and lighting you up that are not just your relationship. Otherwise, the relationship's on a pedestal, your partner's on a pedestal, and then there's so much extra weight being placed. And so the reason this garden exercise is so great is because it focuses on the whole collective of you as a person, not just the relationship. Yep. And I really want people to hear that part and not just think that you only have to focus on that every single moment. Yeah. I also want you to know that your brain doesn't think in subjects. So what that means is your brain doesn't differentiate between you checking on feelings and relationships and you checking on um, 
did that person or you checking on what did Kim Kardashian do today and you go to the phone and check it or you checking on other thoughts like did you oh did I worry about the job thing or anything else the bench is like oh you love checking about what Kim Kardashian is doing today or what um if this person texted you you must also love checking on feelings if you still love that person or not the brain doesn't differentiate between oh this is the checking on if i love this person or not and this is the checking on kim kardashian thing the brain still says you love checking and you love check or, or sorry if you want to do a podcast or you want to be a speaker and you like no i avoid this i want to check first that i'm sure that i'll be a good speaker so let me listen to other youtube videos first it's the same checking on something so the brain's like oh you like checking on this you will also like checking in relationships. So if your goal, be good in relationships, you got to be also cutting out the compulsions everywhere else. Mm -hmm. And don't now run around and think, oh, I have to look at all my compulsions. No, that's not how it works. You don't even have to do that. The only thing you have to do, you have that value guard in front of you. You just mindfully act on those values. And by mindfully acting on those values, you don't do the compulsions. Because it can be another compulsions to checking on compulsions. Yes. So well said. I love this exercise. I hope everyone listening has already completed it or is about to complete it. It's so, so, so important. And I just have a couple final questions to wrap this up. Thank you so much for your time and your generosity with all this information. A question I asked. Entertain the audience for like 30 seconds. Okay. I'm going to have to stretch for a second. (laughs) Yes. Just added stretching to my fitness list. So right now I could have listened to the thoughts of, no, you cannot get up. That's unprofessional. The thoughts could have said, or I could have gone to the value garden and be like, oh, I care about my physical fitness and my physical health. And we're sitting a lot and I need to stretch out my back. And I went to valued actions, even though it might have felt uncomfortable to discipline Sarah and the entire podcast community. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely love it. So a question I ask all of my guests, because this is the You Love and You Learn podcast, what is one thing you have learned about love that you want to leave listeners with? Most people mistake love and emotional addiction. Hot and cold games nowadays in society are creating a toxic cocktail, emotional cocktail in your body of hot, cold, hot, cold. It's the same as withdrawal drug, withdrawal drug. It's creating an emotional addiction and you are mistaking that emotional addiction for love. You can only be manipulated if you're being reactive to thoughts and emotions. Even the book like 48 Laws of Power uh, by Robert Greene. It's a very famous book about how to manipulate and how to make other people do the things you want to do. Anything in that book that's described, anything you cannot be manipulated if you are not reactive to thoughts and emotions and if you're acting proactively on your valued actions. I'm so good at explaining about toxic relationships because I've been, I had a traumatic childhood, which gave me a problematic relationship with abandonment and love. So I was very easy. I'm a. I was a very easy victim to falling for emotional addictive 
relationships and losing myself in these relationships. Relationships is one of the hardest challenges um, out there because the brain can totally take over and it can warp your reality. I want you, I want people to know who go through breakups or hard times in relationships that this is not the end of the world. Uh, in a year, you're going to look back and ask yourself why you ever been in love with that person. It didn't make sense. So, so practice taking care of yourself first. Show your brain that you value yourself and meditate and practice mindfully acting on your valued actions because that's how you show your brain that you value yourself. But if you always chase the validation of another person and see that they love you and make them love you, you're showing the brain that you love chasing the validation of another person, which then the brain's like, oh, I want to support you. Again, I'm your best friend. I want you to do the thing that you love, which is chasing validation of another person. So how do I do that? Oh, I know. I have three things I can give you. Thoughts, emotions, and bodily sensations. Urges. I can give you more thoughts of not being good enough and wanting to chase love in another person. I can give you more feelings of insecurity and chase another person. So not everything is as it seems. And your brain can easily in relationships warp your reality. If that's with relationship OCD, breakups, other things. So that would be the part of where people mistaken love a lot. I truly don't believe anybody can, if anybody says, oh, I can tell you what love is, I don't believe anybody can. That's like saying what God is. Mm -hmm. I think it's something beautiful and I like to be like, rather than understand it, I'd rather live it. Yeah. And I... Do believe, though, that a healthy relationship is about actions of love. And everybody can decipher that for themselves. But a person who beats you and says they love you, they don't love you. Yeah. A person who most people don't love the other person. They love how the other person makes them feel. They say that they love you, but you see someone's love by their actions. You see someone's love by their truthful word, by the truth that's backed up with actions, by their loyalty. There's a great story of going back, we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, Alex Homozy and his wife, I think his name is Layla. Mm -hmm. is Layla? Yeah. Layla Homozy. And he lost everything like four times, like businesses. He just like broke four times. And then he had like a credit card where he, and he was at the house sleeping at Layla's house, the mom's house. And he was like, you know what? I lost everything four times. I'm not mad if you leave me. You can just leave me. And she was like, I would sleep with you under a bridge. And she showed these things with actions. Like they broke up once and he broke up with her. And he was like, and they were still together working in the company that he built. He was like, I know we broke up, but you have to go to Hawaii and do this um, sale for us there, the sale weekend, selling this product. You have to kill it because 
If not, we're going to be broke. And they broke up. And she could have been like, like many other people. No, you broke up with me. This and that. And she went, she killed it, even though she probably was in emotional distress. And she came back and he was like, you stood up while everything shattered around me. This is amazing. And I don't know what I did. I love you. Like, get together. And it's those actions, right? It's those actions that show things. And this is where it comes full circle of look at what, how your partner is. Look at, is your partner stop doing the valued actions when they're tired? Or are they stop doing the valued actions if they don't feel like it? Or are they stop doing the valued actions to support the relationship or support you when they have jealousy or uncomfortable feelings? Because there could be some work to do and some awareness to be brought to. I'm not saying it has to be like a breakup or anything. I'm just saying bring some awareness to it and I'm sure you can also see that in yourself and work on these things because when someone says, Oh, because uh, I will feel guilty. I acted like this or because I had these urges, I cheated on you. Like, no, you put your urges, your emotions, your quick thoughts, emotions, urges above our love. You could have been having these urges, be uncomfortable, like not doing it and come back home and support me with the valued actions and support our relationship. Yep. So I would make the differentiation on acting on emotions, patterns, and acting on loving actions. And that's something that everybody can decipher for themselves in the relationships. And then when you have a good communication with your partner, set values together, what you guys want to do. Maybe you want to build a business together. Maybe you want to travel together. Maybe you want to write a book together. Maybe you want to do simple things like build together a physical body, like going to the gym together and stay healthy together and have this lifestyle and make it based on actions and set those actions and write them out together. It's so helpful. And then, because then you can see, oh, we went a little bit of the path the last two weeks. Do you see? Because you have something visual outside to like, oh, yeah, we didn't do it. Why? Can we talk about this? Yeah. You have another metric of success because the metric of success of feelings, as we know in ROCD, can betray you. So the metrics of success of valued actions can really be supportive for any relationship. So well said. Very quick question that came up as you were talking. You said that you previously were in that more of like addiction pattern in a relationship mm -hmm. and lost yourself and maybe were chasing after those highs, but then it came with some lows and it was probably just a big vicious cycle. I have a lot of clients, I'm sure you do as well, who are in their now healthy relationship, but they're missing what they thought was love. And, and so they feel like this isn't the right relationship, but how did you start to shift towards valuing this like more of a steady love and more of a consistency versus needing those highs and lows. And I know it's some of related what we talked about already of like not necessarily reacting to every thought and emotion, but did you have to redefine what love meant to you in any way? 
this will be in our next podcast. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> that would be like, damn. Part no, two. This would have been the best. Yeah, part two. This would have been the best. Yeah, we, and everybody's going to be like, no, no, <laughs> I have to. But that would be the best sales program ever, wouldn't be. Um, you, it's a gradual change of the brain because we, again, show our brain with our behavior. You will not feel like it because, and that's why we don't want to trust our feelings or thoughts in the sense, okay, let me, I'm writing about this in my book. I made a differentiation. Differentiation is between feelings and emotions. I made that differentiation. There's gladly two words in the English language that are very um, similar. So feelings is the good thing, which is like, um, I love playing soccer. I love this person. I love this hobby. I love this interest. I love doing this. I'm excited about this. Emotions are patterns, like jealousy comes up, anxiety coming up, intrusive thoughts coming up. You will not feel like a lot of times doing the valued action because the old pattern is trying to pull you in to do the old behaviors on reacting on jealousy, intrusive thoughts in the relationships, or trying to control that you're still in love with that person with any behaviors to make sure that you're still in love with that person or doing any fixing behaviors. And you need to do the practice of mindfully, first off, doing the undoing of like not reacting to that, be okay with the uncomfortable feeling, and then bring your brain on, okay, what do I want to spend my time on right now? What do I want to spend my time on from the value garden? And you should set that up proactively, actually, during the week. Like you set that should set that up beforehand because if you like, oh, I feel like going to the gym right now, I feel like going there, then you still make things based on feelings. But if you set up, okay, on Saturday at 5 p.m., I go to the gym. And at 4.30, like, I don't feel like it, great. I don't feel like it, and I go anyway. That's how you break the patterns over time. And that's how you also create value for yourself. Because a lot of times, don't do things sorry a lot of people don't do things for themselves but they do a lot of things for other people because they, they get like a certain feeling for it or in relationships they lose themselves and only do things for other people because they want to be loved by that person but they don't know how to do things for themselves so they don't feel like doing things for themselves like taking care of themselves buying themselves nice clothes um going to the gym and taking care of themselves in the gym buying themselves nice creams just taking care of themselves their body with food and all that stuff do those actions anyway, because the not feeling like it can't be the metric. Because by you doing the actions over time, you polling. I don't know if that's even a word, polling, but like a North Pole. Oh like, yeah. Um, yeah. You <laughs> what North you mean by it? Away. I'm making up words <laughs> now, but you guys understand me. Um, you are directing yourself in the direction of the valuing yourself. And your brand slowly changes. And it's like, oh, you don't care about these old patterns, but you value yourself now? Okay. And that um, valuing yourself over time makes you less likely to chase the validation from another person. You're more structured in yourself. Plus, and here's the big thing, by accepting emotions and acting on your values anyway, you are actually building emotional fitness. It's the exact same thing as physical fitness, which means let's say all emotions are connected. Let's say you have boredom, anxiety, jealousy, whatever, and, and jealousy or the being scared in a relationship that you're falling out of love is like the big 400 pounds, right? And you're always reacting to it. And it's so hard to not react on it. And you ask me, Star, 
start, start, how, how do I not react to it? It's way too, way too heavy, right? And you have to understand that all the emotions are connected. So if you wake up and there's like a boredom in your body, and you're like, oh, I have boredom. Let me grab the phone to get rid of the boredom. Boredom might be 20 pounds. And you have the chance, and this is what I always tell my clients, push social media to the end of the day, the consumption at least. Because then during the day, you have the opportunity, no matter what emotions and thoughts come up, no matter what urges come up, about checking social media and trying to scroll, to be okay with being uncomfortable and build more emotional fitness. You're pushing the 20 pounds. You're pushing the 40 pounds. And you get stronger and stronger. Maybe there's jealousy coming up and you're not reacting. You're okay. And you go back to playing soccer with your friends. You are building emotional fitness. You're becoming a bigger space with, for the emotions, which means you will also be more likely to not react on these toxic traits and the relationships then because the toxic traits are only um, consisting of emotions and thoughts. And the bigger space you become from with emotions and thoughts when those feelings come up in relationships, like, oh, I need to check now if I'm still in love. Or blah, blah, blah. You're like, oh, okay. The brain says, the thoughts say, okay, I can have it. I know you want me to check. I'm not checking. I can have this. And I walk away from this and spend my, and I have sex anyway. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing this loving action for my partner anyway. Yeah. Because that's what I care about in relationships. I just make my partner fruit. That's I care. But they come home. They, they bring money. Uh, then they had long, I just, that's what, if I feel like it or not, there was a great TikTok where like the, the wife was like, I'm angry at my partner and I'm angry and I make food anyway. Mm. So it's those valued actions that literally your brain changes. And I can speak from experience. You will see reality different. The reality is completely warped in toxic relationships because the brain is just confirmation bias. This story, that story, am I love them? Am I not loving them? You are not living in reality anymore. It's a complete warp reality. And you can slowly practice out of that. And that's how I practice out of that. And now it's not saying that when I'm like in a really close relationship, where I'm like really love that person, that I'm not going to feel jealousy. Or I'm not going to feel hurt. Or I'm not going to feel this. But I can have the hurt and be like, okay, what do I care about right now? What do I want to spend my time on right now? And you have more of that space that we talked about in the beginning. Beautiful. Thank you so much for adding that part. Where can people stay connected with you? I'm sure they've loved what you're sharing and want to know more. So how do they get into your space? You love me. You love me. <laughs> Does the audience love me? Did I, do my, did I finally get it? I made somebody love me. Usually people hate me. No, I'm, 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 some of, I'm a little bit controversial sometimes on social media because I tell people you can recover from ADHD, which you can. You can recover from OCD. You can recover from all kinds of things and they're like no there's people screaming and uh, but i love the love so i want to keep we're... it i want to keep my ocd and anxiety <laughs> yes 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 because i then i have an excuse and i can identify i have an identity which i have an understanding but if you want to there's people who want to get better um my name is star jesse taylor i'm on instagram uh, i do coaching one-on-one -on -one coaching um uh, as sarah does I have seminars. I'm going to do seminars in person soon in LA. Um, I'm writing my book, but definitely my name, just star Jesse Taylor. You find me on Instagram, TikTok, and um, my YouTube. If people want to go and you probably the same way, that is for me. The, even though I have 
uh, not as many followers on YouTube as on other platforms. That for me is the most important platform because you can actually go in detail. Mm -hmm. um, there you make longer videos and usually the people who really want to grow on YouTube because they have the attention span to watch the longer videos. And I put a lot of work in those YouTubes. And I'm sure this one, this podcast right here is going to go on YouTube as well. Do you have, you have a YouTube channel, no? I do. Mine is a baby YouTube channel. I haven't spent as much time doing other videos aside from the podcast yet, but mm -hmm. I definitely want to eventually expand into that. And the podcast is now like my long form place where I kind of go into deep dive. So I definitely I'm going to check out your YouTube page. And thanks so much for sharing about the ways people can connect with you and just really enjoy this conversation. It's one of our longer episodes, but I really appreciate your time. And I know it's also late for you as well. So yes. <laughs> Thank you but, so much. Uh, yeah, I loved it so much. And yeah, I love that it's longer. <laughs>